Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined, and dedicated to silencing the chatter about what women should and shouldn't be doing as they age. Here to bring you stories about women in their 70s, 80s, and 90s, women who are leading inspiring lives that make a difference to themselves and others, are Catherine Marino and Gail Zalitsky. Hi, I'm Gail. And hi, I'm Catherine. We are the active voice of women over 70, aging reimagined. Welcome to our weekly podcast. Our mission is to showcase vital women between the ages of 70 to 100 plus who shatter the myth that we become irrelevant as we age. These women lead fulfilling lives for themselves and others. Visit our website, womenover70.com, where you can access all the episodes. We also invite you to join our monthly podcast club. And we welcome speaking to your organization or group on Aging Reimagined. If women aging is a market you would like to reach, consider sponsoring an episode. And finally, if you're an author with a book about women, check out our book promotion opportunity. And today we are delighted to bring to you Linda McCabe. Linda McCabe is 78 years old. She lives in Wheeling, Illinois. And back in 1994, when I met her through the National Association of Women Business Owners, she owned H Diamond Iron and Metal Company. Successful, a role model for women and a leader, she was driven. Since then, she started an organization for women called Optimal Level, has written three books and retired but not satisfied to remain in retirement. Today, Linda started her own podcast, Lightning Strikes, in which she conducts interviews with magnificent minds to unpack practical wisdom for everyday success. When <laughs> Linda, we are so excited to have you here. Welcome to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you, Gail and Catherine. I am absolutely delighted to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. You're very welcome. So as I remember you from all the years we've known each other, you have always strived for excellence. How would you say that's affected your life? I never thought in terms of doing something that I wanted to be excellent at. Mm -hmm. I'm more driven Inside, I don't know exactly how to describe it. I guess this is good for introspection, but I always feel like I want to make it as be the best that I can. That's important to me. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And and uh, all, everything that you have accomplished has been done very well. And so... Talk about H Diamond and Sons, H Diamond Iron and Metal Company for a moment. And how would you apply excellence to what you accomplished there? Okay. Um, H Diamond Iron Metal Company was, is a, it was a scrap metal company where we would um, have containers placed at manufacturers and um, we would collect the scrap metal. And um, what happened was my father owned the company and um, I had been a teacher. And for some odd reason, 
uh, I wanted to leave and see what I could do to grow the company. <laughs> and I knew that I would have to somehow get um, customers. And so that summer, when I stopped teaching, I went to the library. I read every book I can get my hands on, every single book on the shelf about sales. Mm -hmm. And then I went into the business and I started on the floor of my dad's condo. I only could use the phone when he wasn't using it. And eventually, of course, I uh, grew the company. I became um, president and owner and um, took it to, um, you know, a multi-million dollar business. And the reason I feel that I was able to be excellent is because I counted on other people. I developed relationships and people helped me. When I didn't know something, I could go to somebody that did know. And they gave me the answers. Um, and it was always important to me, as I say, I, I've never really defined this for myself, to do the best that I could. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how long did you run the company? 15 years. Uh -huh. <laughs> I recall that's how we bonded initially, because we both went to work for our fathers and then ran the companies, and we're, we were both striving for excellent in those days. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. So you, you uh, when we spoke on the phone, you, you mentioned that you're not good at fun. So what does that mean to you? And, and did that have an impact on your not staying retired? Well, let me, ask, let me answer the first part first. Okay. Um, I thought that I wasn't good at fun because what I thought most people did for fun, I didn't do because my fun was working and raising my family. Those were the two things that were a lot of fun for me. And I don't think most people think that working and raising your family is fun. And I, 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 I guess I have my friends, um, but the traditional you know, going out for a drink and, you know, meeting with friends wasn't what I did. And so I just always felt that I wasn't good at what most people consider to be fun. Some people call that leisure time or, um, uh, you know, travel or um, having some adventures. Was that part of any part of your life during those years? I yes, I've been to um, Europe, I think three times and Mexico and a lot of places. Yeah, I did travel. I did it um, when we were young, actually. Mm -hmm. When on my honeymoon to Europe. So uh -huh. where'd you go? Where did we go? Uh -huh. Oh, gosh, we went to France. We went to um, Germany. We went to Ireland. Um, we went to Italy. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, I think you are good at fun. <laughs> <laughs> when you retired, did you what? What did you anticipate doing? Well, retirement um, happened 
because for two reasons. One, when I was 25 years old, I read a book and I loved it so much. And it was about a, a woman who was before her time and was successful and decided to retire at 75. And so all my life I said, okay, I'm going to retire at 75. That's just <laughs> stuck in my brain. And, and then also I wasn't feeling that well. I had some um, health issues and I felt like I, I just couldn't maintain the energy that I needed. Or I didn't have the energy I needed mm-hmm. to d- continue to do what I did. So I found retirement extremely challenging. I went to a therapist to work out how to retire. Mm. Uh, my, my husband had been retired and I felt that we would go and explore things and, you know, read together and he, it just didn't match up. Mm-hmm. So it was quite an adjustment, but I loved not um, running all the time. I loved not having, you know, to be someplace at a certain time, you know, all the things that you're required to do when you have a business and you're working. Right. The, the, uh, the idea of going to a therapist for retirement. Could, could you tell us a little bit more about that, if you don't mind? Oh, I don't mind at all. Um, we have, I think, a certain identity when we're work. We all have an identity. And I think that when we're working, we also have that I- identity. I've been working forever, and it's a very big part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And um, the relationships that I had, a lot of them were through working. And when you retire, I don't, I don't know, my, my business at the time was called Optimal Level when I retired. And um, who, who could I say I am when I meet people? You know, I felt like I, I, I didn't have um, something to present, you know, about who I was. And I had to get used to, you know, I had been in leadership a lot, as you know, and, mm-hmm. and suddenly all of that disappears. And my, my therapist helped me realize that I am who I am and I don't lose the things that I did just because I'm no longer doing them. That was a big aha for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And I think that, that that's common for a lot of people who, uh, who, who worry about what's, what's going to happen when they retire, who, what's their identity going to be? How, how are they going to, you know, when everyone says, well, you know, what are you doing? What do you say? <laughs> exactly. It was something that I, I, I was entering a world I had never been in. I always had an identity as a woman business owner, which I loved because my two passions are women and business. The three books, well, the two of the books I wrote are, are specifically for women. Um, and so women and business was a big part of who I was. And uh, now I was just this retired person, but I got used to it. I started to understand it better and, um, I'm glad I went to the therapist. I thought she was tremendously helpful. 
Linda, I have a question. What what you just talked about is is so important about the internal shift that one needs to make about identity. But I, I'm curious when you when you would meet new people and people always say, "Well, what do you do? How did you introduce yourself?" You know, I I was very confused about how to do that because um, I didn't want to like have to have a persona of who I was, mm-hmm. I wanted to be able mm-hmm. to comfortably say, hi, I'm, I'm Linda McCabe, and what do you do? I'm retired now. But often people would say, well, what did you do? Mm-hmm. And so that would come up, what I did. And people would ask me about that. And did you feel that, that when they asked you about that, that was sufficient for you to feel good about what you were saying? <laughs> Um, not no. It took me a year to get used to this. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't. It didn't come easily. Um, and I talked a lot, a lot about who I was and why was it important to me to have an identity of having been a business owner. Um, I, I, I had to work a lot on that, and and that I had to recognize that those were accomplishments. And that they're still a part of me. Mm-hmm. And that that made me feel comfortable. And when I did meet people or talk to people, I did have, a, you know, I, I did, I was uncomfortable for about a year, even talking to relatives and friends. I had, I felt, well, I'm a little boring. Mm-hmm. You know, I have nothing to share, mm-hmm. you know, and it took me a while working through that. Yeah. I can definitely see that. The the boring part is, uh, well, so let me ask you this. When you were working and work was your fun and you were raising your family and that was your fun, uh, did you ever feel boring during those years? Never, never. Mm-hmm. There was always something to do. I always had you know, well, you know, from running a business, I had 33 employees. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it keeps you very, very busy. And we would sometimes have to go to, into work at five in the morning and, and get home, you know, you know, mm-hmm. seven o'clock. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't keep those hours all the time. But um, there was always something to do, whatever business I was in. And it, it kept me busy and, and writing the books kept me busy and Mm-hmm. Uh, going into organizations and uh, taking on leadership positions kept me busy. And so it was never, ever boring. I loved every moment of it, even though there were aggravations and, and things didn't always work right. And uh, I really loved the challenge, the excitement, and the ability to create solutions. Yeah, right. And and so you you took you a year you got comfortable with it you you um, you were retired and then what made you come out of retirement? I was talking to a friend and I said you know I've really accomplished most of the things that I wanted to do and one thing just stuck in my mind and that is. Um, from the age, you know, in my late 20s and early 30s, um, I thought 
wouldn't it be great to interview people? I, you know, it's just <laughs> something that sounded so appealing to me. And I said, I never did it. I never accomplished that. And she said, well, why do you do it now? And I said, well, what are you talking about? And she said, well, you could do it with a podcast. And I said, I don't know anything about podcasts. I don't know how I would do that. I don't know, would anybody listen? You know, all this negativity around it. And that kind of sat with me for a while. <laughs> and then I was talking to another friend, uh, a fellow that um, I met through work, and we're good friends. And I was saying, you know, telling him the story of my conversation with my other friend. And he said, is that the Linda McCabe that I know? Are you worried what other people will think? Are you worried that you can't be successful? And it just was like, um, you know, resounding. Is that the Linda McCabe I know? You know, it was just like it, it, it affected me so much. And immediately I said, no, this is something I want to do and I'm going to do it. Mm -hmm. That's how it came about. So what, what was the process you went through? Uh, in terms of in terms starting of, the podcast? Uh-huh, deciding who you were going to interview and how, what. what well, I kind of had some people in mind. Mm -hmm. um, it's about, it's called lightning strikes. The idea behind it is when you listen to it, you get this lightning bolt idea that will help you be a success. I'm go. I'm most of my most of the people I interview are small business owners or people in corporations, people that own their own businesses, and um, that's the kind of guests that I have too. I'm looking for people who feel that they are successful, and um, I'm hoping that they have some words of wisdom. So far, it's worked. Um, they do have a lot to say that I think is helpful to other people in terms of reaching success. And I always ask them, what does success mean to you? Mm -hmm. Because everybody has a, you know, slightly different idea. Mm -hmm. And what kind of answers do you get? Mm, uh, a lot of answers are, it's really nothing to do with money. Of course, we need money to have a business. And that's a part of it. But most people say, for me, success is knowing who I am and doing what I want to do and uh, following through on it and accomplishing things that are important to me. Other people say helping others means success to them if they know that they've been able to help people. And other people say success is, uh, you know, being able to do the things you want, having the wherewithal to do things that you feel like doing. Mm -hmm. It's uh, Linda. It sounds like you're living that, <clears throat> that, that, that uh, definition of success in your own life. Um, I'm wondering about, you know, you said that you've written three books and were those books written while you were working in your, the business world or are those, have you been writing since, since then? when I uh, sold my business, um, Gail and I have similar paths, <laughs> very similar paths. Um, when I sold my business, uh, I started a forum for women, uh, which I ran for about 15 to 17 years. I don't know exactly. And um, 
during that time, I wrote my first book, which is called Optimal Level. Uh, I had five groups running and we had anywhere from 10 to 12 women in each group. Hmm. Um, and so that's when I wrote my first book. Um, and then um, I told you I had some health problems and that was very demanding. So what happened was I told some of my um, clients that I was going to um, stop the forum and I wasn't going to do that anymore. And they said, but well, how will I get help from you if you don't have it? And so that was the birth of my becoming a business coach for small businesses. And while I was a business coach um, and running that business, I wrote Sanity and Success for Working Women, which is more about the corporate world. And then right before I retired, while I was still a business coach, I wrote How to Be Powerful, Insider Secrets to Brilliant Leadership, Sales, mm -hmm. and Speaking, because I also was a speaker. Mm -hmm. the, that's this last one, how to be powerful. That's for um, any any kind of business owner, or is it yes. even more general than that? It's for business owners and speakers and coaches. Um, it's anybody that wants to be powerful <laughs> in leadership, sales, and speaking. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow! Yeah. And when when did that? When was that published? I think it was 2017. Okay, so 20, 2017 or 2018, one of those. Okay. So not so long ago. Not too long ago. And it's doing really well. Wonderful. Yeah. That's great. Did you self-publish or did you have an agent? Self-published. Uh-huh. Okay. Are the optimal level for is the form still going in any no. No. No, I just stopped it. You know, uh -huh. he had those health problems, which I'm better now. So I'm glad. I'm glad. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So do you think that aging is impacting your life in any way? Oh, gosh. So much. <laughs> uh, Please um, share. <laughs> yeah. Um, it makes me feel that I can't do as much as I used to do. And that's a mindset. Mm -hmm. And even though I have it, I work a lot on knowing that it's a belief system and it doesn't have to be so. But in some cases, because of health, it is so. And what you do is just like any other obstacle in life, you learn how to go around it, above it, below it, through it, whatever is necessary, so that it no longer is a challenge. It's an operating system because you understand what to do about it. Mm -hmm. um, I, I mean, I hate to admit this, but this is the truth. Um, I, I the, the wrinkles did a number on me. You know, <laughs> getting used to every time you look oh, in the yes. <laughs> another wrinkle, and um, I had to think about you know what were my options? I can take care of myself. I can eat well. I can exercise. I can um, have a positive attitude and also understand that, you know, th this means that I've gotten this far mm -hmm. and I've accomplished what I've accomplished and, and the wrinkles come with that. 
Mm-hmm. And so I had to get used to it. And I'm still getting used to it. It goes on, you know, the um, kind of a circle goes on, you know, I get into this, oh my God, I have so many wrinkles. And then I go through this process of thinking about how lucky I am to have reached what I've reached and have what I have in life. You know, I think this is such an important um, aspect of aging, um, probably even more for women than men. And it's, it's um, celebrating that we've gotten this far, we've accomplished a lot, we've earned these wrinkles, and we're, we're supposed to feel uh, proud of ourselves. And this is, this is what a uh, 78-year-old woman looks like. And the other side is, oh, my God. I look in the mirror every day and this is what I see. So that conflict or that tension between I'm, you know, I'm supposed to be proud of who I am and how I am and how I look versus this little voice inside that keeps saying, yeah, but you look older. So I just, I think it's such an interesting issue for women. And it sounds like Linda, that you are, as you said, you're kind of in this cycle of um, acceptance. And I hope, it sounds also more than acceptance, perhaps a little bit of pride. Am I right about that? I think so. I think it's a combination and it, it's just an ongoing process. The other thing about aging is that I don't feel that I can do as much. My energy level mm-hmm. is different. You know, mm-hmm. I used to push, push, push and, and go, go, go. And uh, I was so proud that everyone used to say, you can do more than most people I know you know, different varying comments like that. And I don't feel that way anymore. I've recognized that I do need my rest. And when my body is telling me that I have to stop, I now want to stop because uh, I just cannot do as much as I used to. And that's fine too, because then I learned to be me this way. I learned to be me understanding my body and my what I'm capable of. And so I have to arrange my life that way. And it's a learning process. And I, I, learning is fun. <laughs> so there, there's fun for me. There, maybe there's another book in this for you, Linda. <laughs> Perhaps. Yeah. You want to write it with me? <laughs> sure. <laughs> oh, well, you know, I think of you as, as reinvention being your hallmark. You have reinvented yourself many times. You continue to do so. And in the few moments we have left, I'm wondering if you have some lessons you learned. Of what would you like to say to younger women about how your life, what, what your life has taught you? Okay. Um, let me just re- briefly talk about reinvention because I had, you know, teaching H. Diamond, all the different things that I've done, Uh, I just get to a point where I have a feeling inside and that's what made me change each time. It was the feeling, the sense that it's time for me to move on and explore something else. What would I say to younger women is please don't be hard on yourself. It doesn't help you. It doesn't help anybody else. Uh, You're human. We're all human. We all face challenges and problems, and we can't be good at everything. I'm sure this is a lesson you've both learned having businesses is that um, 
you need other people and you can't be everything. You have to um, recognize what your talents are and your skills are and be really happy with those because they're wonderful. And then uh, find people that can do things that you can't. Like I'm lousy at math. <laughs> so I have people do those things for me. So I would tell younger women, uh, take it easy on yourself. You know, if you love yourself, you're more lovable. Mm -hmm. And um, also, um, don't try to do everything and let other people help you. Mm -hmm. That's a great note to end on. Thank you yeah. so much for being here. It's been really a delight and yes. learned a lot from you today. Yes. Thank you, Linda, so much. And listeners, please subscribe and leave a review where you listen to podcasts. Become an active participant in our community through our Facebook group. And no matter your age, participate in our monthly Zoom gatherings. You'll find everything you need to know about our Women Over 70 community on womenover70.com. And see you next Wednesday on Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. Thank you for listening to Women Over 70, Aging Reimagined. If you like what you've heard today, please subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen. In what ways are you shattering the myth that women over 70 are no longer relevant or visible? How are you celebrating aging? Join with us. Make your voice heard. Find us at womenover70.com. <laughs>